Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler. And in this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. I'd like to thank our sponsor, The Money Nerve, a financial resource that helps you have a healthier relationship with money. Do you feel shame around your past financial decisions? Do you feel alone in your financial struggles? Do you self-sabotage your potential financial successes? Do you keep making the same choices, expecting different results? The Money Nerve has just launched a new online course called The Course to Financial Freedom. To learn more, go to themoneynerve.com forward slash course. The Money Nerve has an offer to all Money You Should Ask listeners for a 25% discount on the course. Use code MYSA, all caps, 25, and start your course to financial freedom now. Well, I feel really appreciative and grateful to have our guest today. Uh, he is uh, He's attended the University of... S- of Santa Barbara and USC. Uh, he actually had a multi-decade career uh, at Goldman Sachs, starting from the 80s up until t- 2008 when he retired. Uh, he's a significant benefactor to UC Santa Barbara, serving as the chairman of the foundation board, vice chairman of development, vice chairman of membership. And he is an active speaker on the subject of relationship management which I'm really, really interested to hear about, and sales um, at universities, philanthropic philanthropic organizations, and service companies. And he is also the father of five successful children and maintains an interest in the development of informed, enduring, and sustainable human relationships. Please welcome Frederick Steck. Fred, thank you for coming. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me very much so. Well, you know, I have to start off with this very first question. I get the sense um, that you advocate for your kids uh, in, in the way that you describe them as successful. And I'm wondering, did your parents advocate for you? They did. Um, my, uh, my father was uh, an only child from uh, Missouri. My mother uh, was born in uh, Los Angeles and... Uh, she was one of six uh, children, and uh, my parents were very involved uh, with, um, you know, with their three. I have two sisters, and um, my both of my parents, my father especially, was a brilliant guy, um, went to USC, um, you know, at the age of uh, 16, graduated from Harvard Law at 22, and uh, education was really paramount in his life. And he was also a guy who treated his children equally. My two sisters can throw a baseball better than I can. <laughs> and uh, so he was, uh, you know, he and mom were, uh, were slightly ahead of their time. That's awesome. Now, were you the youngest or in the middle? I'm, I'm the middle child. You're the middle child. Me too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, always a great place to be. You know, when they're looking for you, they don't really care. That's right. That's right. The pressure was on your older sister, I would imagine. Very much so. And they got to make mistakes with her, and then you got the benefit of maybe a little less pressure. That actually is really true. Uh, And, uh, you know, the oldest child, uh, there's some benefits, but, but that you know, if you have to go first all the time, uh, (laughs) it's, it's, it's a tough sled. Yeah. 
absolutely. I'm I'm happy in the middle. Happy yeah. in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Did you what do you, do you remember your parents talking about money and how did they handle it? Um my that's actually a really good question and it's a, a, a significant in terms of how I view it. Um my parents were very conservative, conservative not not in in a political sense, but conservative in how they conducted their life. They did two things, which I uh, uh, that I, well, one that I think is very important, and that is they shared all information. Um, you know, their uh, everything was in uh, community community property, but more important, they talked about money together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, versus, and I have many examples where. Uh, the the male component of that partnership uh, is you know is is the one that's handling it and when you ask you know the spouse well you know Fred takes care of that and and that wasn't how I was brought up I was brought up to, to watch my parents treat their um, their relationship as a as a partnership especially in in the world of of finance. Um, they um, they were not risk takers in in terms of money, and um, I remember when uh, when I first uh, started at Goldman, why um, I went to my dad and said, you know, I I'm working for arguably uh, the best investment bank in the world. I said, if you'd like, I can connect you up with somebody that could really help manage your wealth. Uh, and uh, Dad never did that. He he had a he had a guy in Pasadena that he liked, and he was a bit of a loyalist. And you know they they you know when when he passed away, he uh, was worth a little bit, but not a lot. And uh, but but you know but the mortgage was paid, and so it's a very conservative approach to money. Did you? do the same with your kids did you talk about money when they were younger did you let them in on it or did you sort of keep that to yourself um no we uh um you know we we talked about it it's uh um i was of the mind that that my children knew as much of what was going on as anybody else in the household and we um we shared uh, both emotionally as well as, uh, and when I say emotionally, my uh, not to uh, uh, again, my my uh, 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 you know parents were were conservative in many respects, and um, we were not an emotionally emotive family, and so when I started having kids, they were never going to doubt the fact that uh, their dad loved them. Yeah. And uh, so even to this day, I have two older boys and we all our salut our salutation is always I love you. So um, because of that, um, we were more open, uh, not only in discussing issues of the day, uh, but also, you know, issues of money and the the importance of uh, of money and the importance of discussing money. You know, it wasn't. Uh, you know, the joke is, you know, the dentist has the worst worst teeth in the house, right? right. Well, m- money is a tough issue. You know, most people don't like to talk about money. They think it exposes them. Maybe it's too secret. 
And, um, you know, if you're in the wealth management business, uh, money is truly just a number when you're talking about uh, how one wants to um, organize and invest those funds. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is there any any phrases that your parents used that you adopted that you shared with your children, like money doesn't grow on trees? Was there some through line that you've passed on consciously or unconsciously? Huh. That's a good guy. Um, I don't really remember uh, mm-hmm. a, a you know a specific um, uh, a specific thing. Um, uh, there were times, I guess, when it wasn't so much of a phrase, uh, but it was the discussion of sort of how much they were uh, they were contributing. Um, and I tried not to do that. You know, money is a great um, a tool for guilt. And, um, um, you, know, I, you know, I considered my, um, my responsibility for children was to get them as prepared as I could uh, for, their, for their growth, for their world after, uh, after they left the house. And, and so... Um, uh, giving information, you know, sort of on life as well as as uh, getting them prepared was really important more more than phraseology, and and tried very much not to um, not to oh you know wow that's awfully expensive you know that and uh, you know look at all that I'm doing uh, that was never you know. I paid for your education, right. therefore you should. You know, I I was not that guy. Okay. Um, you know, if you you didn't want to pay for their education, then don't have them. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Did you get an allowance as a kid? Um, I did. I did. Um, uh, not early on. Um, we. I, I think the uh, the first time I remember having money was when I started losing teeth and, and the tooth fairy would show up. And the tooth fairy so gave you money. That, good investment. That was always, <laughs> that was always good. Um, but yes, and when I, um, um, and I would say probably sixth grade, junior high, when I was, you, you know, a little more mobile, um, mm-hmm. you know, I had, I had an, uh, an allowance. And then I, um, when I turned 16, I always had a job. Yeah. I always had a job. Yeah, I, my favorite job was as a, a box boy at the uh, supermarket, and I wanted a surfboard. And my father, you know, he uh, he was willing to buy me a tennis racket, but not a surfboard. So, uh, you know, he had his he had his priorities, and uh, so I started working at El Rancho Market, Arcadia, as a box boy. I was uh, a member of the uh, retail clerks union, and. Uh, Earned enough and uh, and bought my uh, surfboard. It was uh, uh, an Ole O L E from uh, uh, Seal Beach. And do you still surf? Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> it's that's kind of moved on. Okay. I, you, you, the problem was I moved to cold water areas. You oh. know, I grew up in Southern California. Now all of a sudden I'm living in San Francisco. You know, water's cold up there. Who wants yeah. to do that? Yeah. I wouldn't even. Ma- I, I'm just worried about the sharks. So, <laughs> unless I can surf in my bathtub, um, 
probably yeah. not going to happen. I, you know, I saw Jaws too early. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That did, did your did your kids get an allowance? Uh, they did. Mm-hmm. They did again about the sort of same time. Uh, you know, seasonally adjusted for inflation. Yep. Um, but um, you know, my kids also uh, also worked. They were uh, they did a little more volunteerism. Uh, I remember, for example, uh, the, old, the three older kids, um, when they were going to the Branson School, this is high school now, uh, they worked for um, a, um, uh, a philanthropic organization called Caring Bridge, which was an outreach to the underprivileged kids in Richmond across the San Rafael Bridge, hence the name. And uh, they were quite... Uh, uh, they were quite serious about that, and they were camp counselors and um, that and, and that sort of thing. So they all, um, they, in fact, all uh, all of the kids had a a real orientation towards community uh, community giving. And so, one way or another, you know, God bless me, I, um, you know, was uh, was uh, you know, I, I think uh, you know had money to. And, and, you know, advance them an allowance, even though they weren't getting they weren't getting a, a, a W two. But I felt it was more important since you know they all recognized that you know they grew up in a family of privilege, and, yeah. and this was never anything they didn't understand. Yeah. They understood that they were that their largesse was uh, was a great benefit to them, and they took it seriously. Yeah, I think that's so important. I feel like that's gotten lost these days where I I feel like people used to, and maybe that's just me, you know, reminiscing, but I feel like people used to be more into civic service uh, and and more about uh, philanthropy and understanding that you have a responsibility. I was taught um, that as people with privilege, and not that I had a lot when I was growing up, but I went to a college that was very privileged. And they made it very clear to us that we had a responsibility um, to help other people since we did get this privilege. Yeah, I, I really agree with that. I mean, my parents, I mean, we lived in Arcadia, which is, you know, at the time, I, I think we were really, um, you know, definitely, uh, you know, middle class, perhaps a little better, you know, maybe upper middle if, if we wanted to put... Uh, kind of labels on it, but um, you know, we were not tra- as kids. We were not traveling to Europe. There was no, P- there was no PJ. There was right. no yacht. There was none of that. Yeah. And 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 my my kids didn't grow up like that either. I mean, we right. we got to go on vacations and and we uh, you know we we did all of that. But but I I always felt that if we were going to be given. Um, you know, this particular life, then, then we were going to be held to a higher standard. And, and that uh, we are, what we owed society was to make ourselves as beneficial to society uh, and, and to actually, uh, um, you know, work with the uh, community that, that we lived in. It was all, it, it, that was, you know, you were asking me, did you talk about money? I, I, we did talk about money, but we really did talk about money in terms of, of what it was that we could, um, you know, do for the community, what, what we could do with the money, not what we could have with the money. That yeah. was, um, you know, 
Well, that, you know, I was going to ask you, uh, was um, philanthropy always important to you? And it it sounds like it probably has been. And and I'm really hearing, like, it is about giving back. And But can you say more about why it's important to give or why you think it's important to give? So when I I, I was thinking about this, um, uh, because I actually... uh, uh, actually did uh, listen to to some of your your podcasts um, when I was in junior high I don't know why I remember this uh, we were at First Avenue which was in Arcadia and it bordered a very busy street and I was sitting there with three of my friends and and uh, we were talking about um, about things we wanted mm-hmm. uh, things that we could buy you know I want to this kind of a car. Oh, we're going to have a house and it'll be in the Oaks, you know, won't be down, you know, (laughs) and, and, you know, when I, you know, got to, um, when I got to UC Santa Barbara, um, I, you know, got hooked up with a couple of people who were working with uh, uh, more disadvantaged, uh, you know, youth in, in the Santa Barbara area. And, and I, I began to come to the conclusion that we were, we, our family was really um, blessed with uh, being able, you know, my parents paid for my education. Um, and, and I did have a job, um, you know, while I was there. But, but regardless, uh, you know, I had a pretty good run. And um, so the idea of giving uh, really started really started in, in a more serious way uh, at, at when I was in, in school because I really did feel that um, I had been given um, a great pathway and should be held to you know to a higher standard. When I was at Goldman, um, giving was extraordinarily important to them as a firm. And to this day, they have many, many different outreaches. Um, but when I became a partner, uh, one of the requirements was that we had to start a foundation. Um, it, you know, because it was a partnership, the, the firm really depended on the individual owners, if you would. And we all had foundations. And so, it, you know, again, you know, giving and giving back to the community was an understanding that we had been, um, you know, we have been given a great opportunity to provide for our families, but we also were given a great opportunity to discover what we could do with our money, not what we could buy with it, but what we could do with it that might benefit, that might benefit others. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, what I'm hearing, even though the word hasn't been said, but it sounds like coming from a place of gratitude. Yes. Yeah. Of just really like recognizing the blessings or the the good fortunes that may or may not have come to you through sheer luck or just situational. Yep, I would agree with that. And gratitude is terrific. is a is a terrific word. It's it's more than thank you. Uh, yeah. It's it's really with gratitude. It's really that acknowledgement that you did something for me more than um, you know than an exchange of uh, you know goods for services kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's really um, it has something to do that's a, you know it's a deeper understanding that 
you, you went out of your way uh, to to be gracious and and to uh, you know to help in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any financial regrets? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, I was thinking about this, um, and I using this phrase of of what you can get with your money versus what you can do with your money. It's the to me, it's a nuance of difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, you know one of the uh, one of the the issues that goes on in in uh, Wall Street broad, broadly defined uh, is there is a lot of purchasing. There's uh, it's hard not to um, to get trapped into the Joneses have a better car, right? And and, and then when you you're earning and you actually could get a better car, uh, you get trapped into, that's really the goal. The goal is to, and so um, I probably have, um, you know, probably, you know, I, I have not not managed the largesse that, you know, that I was uh, bequeathed um, through my own work, uh, of course, and uh, was a little bit, like I got trapped into the all-you-can-eat buffet, right? And 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 so and that's an easy thing to do. It's the you can buy a nice car or you can buy some stupidly nice car. And I'm not a car guy, but it's just an easier thing to look at. Is is you know they still only have four wheels and they still can get you from point A to point B. Um, and and so I, I would say that. Um, you know, without getting into, you know, the actual details, I probably have reached a little further than, uh, you know, than I should have, which also had the unintended consequence of, of not being able to sort of do more with, uh, you know, with the money you had. And um, I've talked a lot about recently with this, with, uh, with my kids uh, about, you know, thinking, you know, thinking when you when, when money is available is is really thinking about the consequences of of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, in talking with when you're mentioning your kids, I'm wondering um, in this conversation, is it important to leave kids an inheritance? And also, if even whether it's yes or no, how much financial help should you give them? Um. I personally, I think you should help your kids as much as you can. And uh, in, in terms of preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so therefore, uh, I have always felt it my responsibility to take care of the health and wellness of my children and the education of my children. So I, <laughs> oh, you know, I have single-handedly supported private education. <laughs> Um, I was a public school guy, but um, my uh, eldest daughter, uh, let's see, Berkeley, a public <laughs> school I know, a Berkeley, UPenn, a Columbia Law. Okay. Um, my next daughter was Tufts, um, a Berkeley doctorate in psychology. Um, William, uh, Alex uh, was a UCLA um, 
uh, Vanderbilt University MBA. Wow. Um, my uh, youngest daughter uh, was, uh, let's see, Duke Wesleyan. Um, uh, Wesleyan, oh, uh, uh, then uh, uh, London School. And then uh, William uh, was, uh, you know, Michigan uh, Michigan State, which is a state school, but he was out of state. Out of state. <laughs> and, and so no one, there was n- never any guilt about that. It was my responsibility to make sure that they were prepared to get a real launch. And and they have all done exactly that. They, they have all um, developed uh, degrees and they are all working on successful careers. Now, they have, at, at the moment, they haven't, they, they don't, they don't have a trust fund. There is no, there's a trust fund. When I pass on, they will get something. Yeah. But, by that time, you know, they're going to be, well, hopefully they'll be really, hopefully. but, you know, <laughs> but they're, you know, they're on the other hand, um, you know, when we go on vacation, if I can pay for their flights, I will do that. But, but there isn't a, they, they are really responsible for building their lives and their careers. Cause I do think that is really important. Um, and, uh, you know, we were t- talking a little bit earlier about Italy. And mm-hmm. one of the interesting things, I, I happened to uh, uh, my Italian tutor and a uh, friend of hers and her husband, they were all in uh, in Nochi, which is a little which is a little town in Puglia, kind of the south uh, east uh, uh, part of uh, the country. Anyway, we, we were there over last Christmas when we could travel. And uh, I was introduced to uh, their um, their grandfather, who was a shoemaker, wow, and he was still making shoes. And he took me into his shop and pointed out that his great grandfather, his grandfather, his father, they all made shoes. And now, what had changed in his life was that he now had more control of his time. He wasn't making shoes every day because he had an apprentice. Right. And and he was passing that along. I think retirement has been a false goal in the yep. US because we're living longer. And when the phone doesn't ring, and so it sort of indicates that maybe you're not as needed. And I think right. we want to be needed. Yep. Um, you know, and and so the idea of maintaining um, a, a, a something to do in your in your life is really important it, managing your time gets to be that's a critical phase because maybe you want a little more time to visit your kids or whatever but but I think the idea of, of, of continuing to contribute to society rather than you know throwing in the white towel and just retiring yeah I absolutely agree I, I was I was just on a show talking about the fact that the value of feeling relevant, of, the, of being important as we as as we get older, um, and still being part of the of what's going on in society versus yeah we've been put out to pasture, um, and we're just going to play golf and and fade off into the sunset. Yeah, and 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 that did come from my father. My father got you know sadly literally 
passed away on his way to a court hearing. Mm. He was 90. Wow. And and he, when we grew up, he had a, um, a friend of his was living next door and he worked for J.C. Penney. And J.C. Penney at the time had a mandatory retirement age of 60. Can you imagine that? You know, wow. 60 today, you're almost 60. You're just getting going. <laughs> yeah, you just and, get started. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, and, and, and he, he retired and, and, was, and, had, and passed away within, two, within you know, a year. And I think my dad saw that. He said, that's not happening to me. So my dad practiced law literally died with his boots on, so to speak. But what he did was he didn't have as many clients and he had control of his time. But, you know, but he was relevant and needed, both with his family and with his and and with the outside world. Yeah, that's awesome. There are so many uh, uh, stories of people retiring and then passing right after they retire and, and never even getting to enjoy those retirement years because because of that you can only go to so many museums i'm sorry <laughs> i i would agree with that my father might disagree with you but i i, I certainly agree <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um if you think back along your life um when were you the happiest and how did money play a role in that um I, honestly, I do think that um, I was uh, the happiest and felt the most relevant um, really when my kids were um, actively in school. When I was, you know, I, I will tell you, I, um, you haven't asked this question, but um, I'm, maybe you will, maybe you wouldn't. Um, I, I really, truly enjoyed my time at Goldman Sachs. Mm-hmm. This was not just because, you know, Wall Street making a lot of money, that sort of thing. But I really, truly enjoyed uh, those years and those years of raising my children. They were seeing me as an important part of the community and an important part of their lives. And um, it was a um, and and you know, listen, I have five kids, so it lasted for a long time. Um, but but that that was really a, a, a joyous, uh, you know, period of time. I have struggled uh, a little bit in recent years, um, partially because, uh, you know, wanting to find um, that relevance, wanting to find that, um, you know, that job. You know, I, I make the job, I need a job. And, 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 that could be broadly defined, but you know we live in a culture, uh, rightly or wrongly, where there is an exchange of value when we contribute to to our job, to our employer, to our community, and the idea of being remunerated for that with money—it's not the amount of money; it's the fact that if I hire you to do my taxes. If if you're doing it for free, you know, I'll call Fred back. Right? Yeah, that's I'm right. Gonna call, I'm going to call him back. It's part of the problem with philanthropy. If I'm doing things for you for nothing, I can call you back. If there is some sort of a 
contract of exchange for services, then there is a, 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 a an explicit and a non-explicit responsibility. And, and so right now, I'm struggling a little bit with that. Um, you know, I have too much time, if you would. And, and so during that period of time of, uh, of, you know, it was 25 years working with Goldman, raising kids, um, you know, being late, being, you know, early, worrying about uh, the mortgage, were all of those things, um, you know, people think, oh, boy, I can hardly wait to get out of that. No, those are those are those are great times, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But well, now. One of the things that I think you might be doing to stay relevant is you you have this interest in um, informed, enduring, and sustainable human relationships, and you talk about relationship management. Tell me about that because it sounds juicy, um, and I'm attracted to it. So um, say a little more about that. So I grew up as a uh, this. This is a bit of a story. I'll try. I'll, I'll give you the clip notes version. When I fit, first went to work um, at Goldman, my my boss was uh, uh, was a guy uh, who was an old school sales guy, and and so I was there for a week, and you know. He invited me into his office and said, how's it going? I said, ah, it's going great. You know, I'm on the phone. I'm talking to New York. He said, well, how many, how many clients have you called on? And I said, well, I, I haven't called on anybody, but I'm, I'm on the phone. I'm ready to receive their phone call. And he said, well, here's what we're going to do. He said, you're going to come in here Monday, and we're going to go over the, the accounts that you're going to call on. And then you're going to be out of the office. And I said, wow, that sounds like sales. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so when I finally understood that I was in the business of selling, now what we've done with sales um, and is that we have made sales a quantitative experience. Uh, you know, Salesforce, for example, will give you all the software to let you know how many times you called your clients, what their performance is, and they've really quantified it. Business schools teach marketing. They don't teach sales. And sales is all about managing relationships. Mm -hmm. So if you're good at your personal relations, you're probably going to be pretty good at sales. So, for example, if your spouse calls you and says, honey, on your way home, pick up some milk. And you do that and you bring it home. The message is, I listened to you. I care about you. And I followed up. I actually performed the task you asked. If I come home and I forgot, eh, I wasn't listening too hard. You weren't that important. And if I forget again, then that relationship begins to unravel a little bit. Yeah. Because now you keep reminding them that you're you're not really listening, you don't really care, and you didn't follow up. So the same thing in sales. If 
I'm a car salesman, if I'm selling securities or whatever, you ask me to do something, I'm going to get it, and I do it, and I follow up. I'm, I've been trying to sell uh, this ranch that I live on. It has been the single most difficult experience ever. And part of it is, and I'm going to throw them under the bus, is dealing with real estate agents. <laughs> and, and I know, you know, I hate painting things with a broad brush. But one of the things that is most irritating is the lack of follow-up. Yeah. I want to know what you're doing. I want to know who you've talked to, what they've said. And it's the same way as, as you know, it, it's, and I know it sounds so simplistic, but personal relationships and managing those relationships, no matter whether you're related or it's a friendship, if you stop contact, that relationship is going to dissipate and might even go away. If, if you and I are friends and I never bother, like, we're living in different cities, I never bother to pick up the phone, hey, Bob, how are you doing? Then pretty soon that relationship will go away. You know, when you think about, I, I don't have anybody I really know that I went to high school with. Well, there's a good reason for that. You know, I haven't bothered to keep up with them. Now they haven't bothered to keep up with me. But, you know, that that's a slippery slope if you're going to go there. Right. So managing those relationships. So I do. I, I talk to people about, you know, I have a list of important uh, items that uh, I think make people good salespeople. And, and most of them are involved with the uh, with. with with your personality, with your personal life, making sure it's balanced, making sure you're doing something other than work. Because, you know, if you and I are having dinner and I've got nothing but securities to talk about, I'm not a very interesting guy. <laughs> and if I'm just like this, I'm not really learning anything while I'm talking. But I think you're interested because you're asking me questions. Right. And and it, and so that's what really makes quality personal relationships. It's also makes good salespeople. Yeah, I well, I you know, the way I look at all my clients is I look at them as relationships. I don't look at them as tax returns and I say I have a thousand relationships. Um because to me this engagement is much more important and one of the things that I think is missing in our culture at the moment t- to some degree is is that we're out of connection, we're out of relationship. And I think people um, I think people are hungry for that. I think people, and I think as we've gotten more first world uh, and we can build fences and keep people away and we can afford to keep, stay separated, I think we lose this connection and community that so much of us are, um, or I'll speak for myself, I'm hungry for. Yeah. I, I, we're, we're not going to get rid of the digital world. You know, that, that ship has sailed. Yeah. But I think it's really important that you remember the analog part of your world. Um, you know, texting and email, um, you know, that allows the reader to put emotion into that message. And that may be an unintended emotion. Um, it it's also 
if you don't have like an ongoing connection, it's very hard to just parachute in because there's no context. Um, if my children are a good example. Um, I literally talk to them all the time. My sister is like this. Her family, they have Zoom calls as if they were a, co- a corporation, right? That's great. But, but what they're doing is there's context. They all kind of know where people are in their lives. And so when you actually have a personal conversation, you're, there's no catch-up involved. You know, you're, you're, you're kind of right in there. So... I think it's great to be on the phone. I think these are these are terrific devices, but there is nothing more effective, in my view, than picking up the phone. This is a more effective conversation than it would be if we were on the phone, because I can see you. Yeah. Um, we would be more effective if we were sitting in your office or having lunch or whatever, because now I get to... I, I get to read your body language. I get to see your facial expressions. And, and so we're, we are distancing ourselves, and it's, uh, it's a challenge. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, I, I'm going to ask you this, this final question because this feels important because we've covered a lot of ground. I'm wondering, Fred, what do you want your legacy to be? Um. I really would like uh, people to see me as uh, kind and generous, not just with money, but with my time, uh, with, uh, you know, that I was, I mean, again, without chest beating, (laughs) I I take a great deal of pride um, when I'm dealing with people who are of service. When I'm in a restaurant, I will always have a relationship with the with with the uh, service person always, because save an interview, will we you know we're going to be there too. That's a hard job, yeah. and and um, so I, I think I would you know like to be you know that guy was always went uh, not out of his way but you know always was you know genuine and 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 generous with uh, you know both time and treasure. That would be very important to me. Yeah, I, no, I think that's awesome. It's sort of, it, it, in a way, it's sort of like investing. You got to put a little in, to, and you don't even have yeah. to put that much in, and you can get a whole lot back. And I think people often miss the fact that we have to put a little time and energy in into relationships to actually have fulfilling, deep, meaningful relationships. It's like anything else. Uh, you know, you, you, you work hard with your clients, and, and they see that. You know, but that's the same way with your your personal relationships. And again, we were talking about money. Um, if that money is actually going in a way uh, that is beneficial, uh, that comes back in a big way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Fred, it's been awesome talking with you today. I could talk for probably about another ten hours. Yeah, uh, me too. I, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um, but where can people find you on social media? Well, I you know, now that I was dinging uh, the social media, of course. So uh, just very quickly, um, my uh, youngest daughter who lives in London, um, when I was grousing about the fact that this uh, ranch hadn't sold, um, she said, Dad, why don't you start writing your blog again? 
And so I actually have a website. It's frederickstech.com. And um, I write, uh, um, I write about, uh, you know, I write about relationships, sales. Uh, I, I, I give the world my view on a lot of different things. And that's great. Um, so it's a great, great joy. And you, you know, if you want me to come speak, I can do that too. So anyway, and I, I just launched it three days ago. So I'm, oh, I'm, we'll, awesome. we'll see where it goes. Well, let's, what, let's hope we get you a million, uh, followers in the next couple of weeks that'd be great (laughs) we'll make it happen well fred i so appreciate it and i want to say to our listeners out there please don't forget to share the love you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram search for money you should ask all one word you can subscribe to this podcast on apple Podcasts, google podcasts iHeartRadio, stitcher spotify or your favorite podcast player and if you prefer to watch our episodes you can head over to youtube and subscribe to our youtube channel fred so so much appreciation for for joining us and having this great conversation and i i wish you i wish you much success with gratitude thank you so thank you so much bob thank you